Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Morning Dump, a fantasy baseball podcast. Back with the week six report. And hey, quick shout out to the new listeners I saw last week over in Memphis, New Orleans, Montreal, Chicago, and Miami. Appreciate you all tuning in. And if it's your first time, be sure to check out the preamble episode with inspiration for the show and what you can expect. Now on to some recent action. Congrats to Reed Detmers, giving us our first solo no-no of the year against the respectable Tampa lineup. That was awesome, man. He did it with only one walk. And how about Noah Syndergaard posting a picture of Reed saying this is what our quotes real no-no looks like. Giving his teammate Reed a proud congratulations while taking a little jab at his old Mets team who gave us the first combined no-no of the season earlier on. But he's right. There's a very clear difference between a solo no-no and a combined no-no. Solo being the much rarer feat in today's game. Now on to Aaron Judge. Posting his first career walk-off last week. And it was in epic fashion. Bottom of the ninth. Down 5-3. Two men on base. Sitting on one ball and two strikes. He clobbers one off one of the best closers in the game right now, Jordan Romano of Toronto, to close it out for the Yanks. He's now leading the league with 12 home runs, while his teammate Stanton is sitting on 10 as they combine for the only pair in the league on the same team with double-digit homers. Wearing those pinstripes proud for the Bronx Bombers. How about Charlie Morton? Is he back? After a brutal start to the year, his last two outings have produced a whopping 11 innings pitched for 14 Ks, only one earned run, four hits, four walks, and a win. I hope he's back because it's been tough watching him pitch and struggle so badly so far this year. And lastly for recent news, Tyler McGill hits the IL with right bicep tendonitis. You never wish an injury upon a player. I caught some heat for having him on my dump list after his first two fantastic outings to the season. And I'm not here to brag by any means. I bring it up because the reason he was on my dump list is that coming into the season, he only threw 89.2 innings in the bigs all last year. And we saw him get fatigued after around 50. That doesn't really bode well for his ability to dominate late in the year for the Mets and fantasy managers. I say all this because whether you own him or you're a Met fan or both, if he had to go down, I think it's a good time to let him get some rest in May and even June so that you're getting his best stuff come the second half. Stuff that he improved coming into this year, no doubt. Velo's up. Now on to the streams of the week. Monday, May 16th, we're kicking off with Yusei Kikuchi at home versus Seattle. He's 27% on Yahoo and 38 on ESPN. Kikuchi never really broke out into what we'd hoped he'd be in the majors. And ownership percentages reflect that as really nothing more than a streaming option these days. So here he is, coming off back-to-back Yankee outings, one of them quality with a win, sporting 11.1 innings pitched, just three earned runs, under a one whip, and 14 Ks. 
It's a solid bet for a stream at home this week. His fastball velocity is still sitting around 95. His K's and swinging strikes are solid. And he's top 25 on ground ball percentage this year. A guy I like even more on Monday, if he's available, Corey Kluber facing Detroit in what should be an easy bounce back game for him. He's similarly owned in ESPN, but over 50% in Yahoo. Tuesday, Reed Detmers, Mr. Solo No-No. He's at Texas, just 20% on Yahoo and 11% on ESPN. There's a few options I like Tuesday. Tyone is definitely the safest bet versus Baltimore. He's been excellent this year through 30.2 innings pitched with under a 3 ERA and under a 1.2 whip. A little lesser owned, Josh Winder got lit up against Houston in his last outing as a member of my streams of the week list. Sorry about that one, but it's understandable facing Houston. He's still sporting a respectable sub-3 ERA and a sub-1 whip, and he's got Oakland on the road and lit them up in his last outing with a quality start, a win, and 8Ks with no runs and no walks. If he's there, I'm running him again. The least owned of these three, Reed Detmers. Zooming off the solo no-no, I think he's worth a look to see if he could keep it going. He is sporting a top 5.84 whip this season among starters. Wednesday, Josiah Gray at Miami. 51% on Yahoo, 31% on ESPN. I don't really like any streaming options on Wednesday, so I'm just going with Gray. As you know, I try to keep it to lesser-owned players. Seems he's been rage-dropped a bit after a couple below-average starts and his latest where he also got lit up by Houston. But you gotta be patient with the young guys. He's had lots of bright spots this year, including 10Ks versus Miami last time he faced them. He's gone at least five innings in his last six games with a 4-2 record and two quality starts. Guy's got good stuff. He's a fixture on a couple of my lineups, and I'll definitely be running him again. Thursday, Rich Hill at home versus Seattle. 8% on Yahoo, 5% on ESPN. Old Reliable, coming off a quality start, and he's only given up two runs in his last four. Rich has put out a 2.89 ERA and a 1.17 whip this season. Tough to see him keeping it up all year. His stack cast doesn't say so. But his XERA is a solid 3.49. He's got the Boston hitters backing him up, and he's a solid play for a quick stream this week. Friday, Daniel Lynch at home versus Minnesota. 9% on Yahoo, 6% on ESPN. Not a lot of guys owned this low, producing as well as him. Three of his last six starts giving up zero runs. His whip's a little higher than you want it to be, around 1.3, but that's not bad. Got his ERA below four with his latest at cores with no runs allowed. And he's getting a K per inning with a respectable 23.4 K percentage and 13.9 swinging strike percentage. You could see him getting it done in Minnesota this week. Saturday, Mad Bum at the Cubs. 38% Yahoo, 26% ESPN. Quietly having a fantastic season. Yes, his best days are behind him, but his last five starts after getting warmed up, he's posted the following whips. 1.2, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8, 1.0, 1.11, contributing to his season-long 1.12. Pair that with a season-long 1.78 ERA and two wins in his last three. He's a sneaky pickup this week that could lead to an extended stay on your roster. Go get him. Sunday, we're rolling with three guys I already mentioned. Corey Kluber at Baltimore, Yusei Kikuchi at home versus Cincy, and Jamison Tyone at home versus Chicago White Sox. 
Kluber and Kikuchi, I mentioned, similarly owned around 38% on ESPN, with Tyone at 28. Kluber's 53 Yahoo, Tyone's 43 Yahoo, and Kikuchi 27. Good chance one or multiple of them are owned. Kluber and Kikuchi with the best matchups, but Tyrone, as I mentioned, has been rock solid this year. I feel fine running him against the White Sox. They're all looking at nice two-star weeks, and I feel just fine rolling all three out for both of them, especially if you need to rack up some points on Sunday. Let's carry on to some pump or dump. First up, my guy in Arizona, outfielder Alec Thomas. 30% on Yahoo and 14 on ESPN, and that's going to skyrocket real fast. Number 18 on the top 100 prospect list. He got the call up May 8th, and his first week in the big started five out of six games. He launched his first homer, three doubles, three RBIs, and he's slashing 438, 471, and 813. He was a beast in the minors, and he got steals down there too. I'm calling him a must-add, fat pump. Even if you don't need outfield depth, just grab him, and you'll find him with trade value, or you'll just start him and trade somebody else. Either way, it's an improvement to your team. Next up, catcher for Atlanta, William Contreras. And that is the brother. Are they brothers? And that is the brother of Wilson in Chicago, if you were wondering. He's 5% Yahoo and only 2% ESPN. Atlanta's backup catcher Manny Pena just hit the IL with season-ending injury. And Contreras is in line for way more at-bats. Top spot still goes to Darno, but Contreras is a good hitter who should see time at DH also. In just 22 at-bats this year, he's launched four homers, slashing 273, 385, and 818. This point in the season... Catchers are tough to come by. Next up, we got Max Meyer, starting pitcher for Miami. He's already 19% owned in Yahoo and 5% in ESPN. Number 33 on the top 100 prospect list and has not made his major league debut yet. But there were already rumors of his call-up being near with the struggles of Eliezer Hernandez. And now, Jesus Lazardo hits the IL with left forearm strain. Cody Petit will be filling in for now in that spot from the bullpen, but definitely keep an eye on Meyer. He had outstanding numbers in the minors, 2-4-4 ERA, 1-1-3-3 whip, which has been below one so far in 2022, and close to 11 Ks per nine. Kid's a stud. He dominated in spring training this year also, and he should be getting the call up sooner than later. Can't wait to see what he can do in the bigs. Next up, Ben Gamble, outfielder for Pittsburgh. One of the more added players recently. Up to 15% on Yahoo and 13% on ESPN. I don't know about this guy. His whole slash line is up around 30% from his six-year career numbers. But you never know. He's posting an impressive 298, 371, 462 line so far. Season long, I'm probably dumping. I'm not bothering in a league where I have very limited season-long moves. But if you aren't worried about moves... Maybe you lost a guy to injury, you need some outfield depth, whatever. Nothing wrong with riding his hot streak as long as it lasts. And lastly, I mentioned catchers are tough to come by late. Adley Rutschman's time is coming. Catcher for Baltimore, the top prospect, 50% Yahoo, 30% ESPN. Even if you don't need a catcher, once again, major trade value in rostering this guy. And it sounds like he's getting the call this week or next. Now let's get on to the fleece of the week. Hold a couple deals from the trade talk thread on Reddit for week five. Thanks again for everybody who came out to talk deals this week. First up, user Shinjuku Megabyte. 
Just learned Shinjuku is a special ward of Tokyo, according to Wikipedia. Encompasses the buzzing clubs and karaoke rooms of neon-lit East Shinjuku. Also the home of the new national stadium and high-tech sports venue built for the 2020 Olympics. Thanks for the geography lesson. Shinjuku shipped off Eric Lauer and Trevor Rogers for Sandy Alcantara. He said he liked Lauer a lot, but Sandy, I'm with you, man. Funny enough, Lauer and Rogers just faced off, with Lauer getting torched for one of his worst of the season, while Rogers put up one of his best to go along with a not-so-great season. Rogers was fantastic last year. I think he had a under a 3 ERA and close to a 1 whip, but he's gotten off to a very shaky start in 2022. As for Lauer, he's posted four outstanding starts this year with two not-so-great ones. At the end of the day, Shinjuku, I think you traded two guys who are no more than potential aces for an absolute true ace in Sandy. Could easily turn out that Rodgers and Lauer end up dominating the rest of the year, but I think it's far more likely that only one of them comes even close to Alcantara numbers, and it won't be long until you find yourself replacing the other on the wire. Lots of talent getting called up soon. Mentioned Meyer, Grayson Rodriguez isn't far out either. Maybe you even found yourself with George Kirby on your team already. We could see Cole Wynn and Edward Cabrera up in not too long. Maybe some Bobby Miller. But anyway, great job, Shinjuku. I'm all about this one for you. Sandy! Next up, user FOMO Donkey. Shipped off Francisco Lindor to get Justin Verlander. Lindor's made a lot of noise so far this season. A lot of people predicted him for a big bounce back. He's crushed some homers. He has a few steals. But to be honest, I thought he was doing better than what he is upon looking up his stat line on the season. He's only slashing 231, 312, and 388 on the year. That's pretty much on par or worse than what he did in his down seasons of 2020 and 2021. Meanwhile, Verlander's leading the league in several stats including a 5-1 record, a .68 whip, a .170 BABIP against. He's third in ERA at 1.38, and he's looking like his old self aside from the Ks, which are still close to one per inning so far. With shortstop being such a deep position, I think it's a great move to cash him in for a top pitcher like Verlander, where you can go ahead and sell a lesser pitcher for still a solid shortstop if you happen to be lacking now that you've shipped off Lindor. Fomo Donkey, well done on this deal. I think you improved your team, and I think Verlander's going to keep it up all year. Maybe not his 1.38 ERA, but I bet it's below 3 when all is said and done. Now I need some help from you all. I have been offered a deal in my Dynasty Points League, and I don't know what the heck to do. So hit me up on IG and Twitter, whatever you use, even email. At Morning D Fantasy, morningdfantasy at gmail.com. And let me know what you think of this one. I've been offered to give up Wander Franco in a dynasty league to receive Xander Bogarts and Joe Ryan. Over the next few years, I think I can expect pretty similar production from Bogues and Franco. Bogues is 29, Franco's 21, so I'm talking about giving up a lot of age there. Does Joe Ryan make up for it? Dude might be an ace. He looks good. I mentioned in last week's pod that he did something that's not been done in a century, kicking off his career with his first nine starts, I believe, at just a .7 whip. He's striking guys out. He looks comfortable on the mound. I think I got to go for it. 
You look at dynasty rankings, I mean, Franco is pretty consistently considered a top 15, even a top 10 dynasty asset, while Bogues is down there closer to 30 or so. So there's the question. Does Joe Ryan make up for it? That's all for the week six report, folks. Thank you again for tuning in. And remember, can't have your coffee without the morning dump. <laughs>